0: We're doing it. I see waveforms. I've. I don't. I don't see anything. It's.
1: It's literally every single time. It's a completely different bit of feedback uh to you know send me off and running with the utmost confidence. Perfect. Well, that's very reassuring. Uh, I see it on my. Well, side. this this epi- this episode of the F1 Files <laughs> is brought to you by ZenCaster, <laughs> yeah. podcasting platform that gets you going. On a very shaky groundwork. Exactly. Uh, and still still, what I understand is still like kind of the best option that's out there. Because we've, we've shopped around. We've played with some other things. But, hey.
0: Yeah. I think there's one more. There's like another one that feels very Fisher Pricey. But, uh, and I, 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 I just, I've used it before. It's not great. I can't even remember what it's called. Uh, it was, it's that, that of a service that <laughs> was like uh, no thanks um mm-hmm. i've done it with like other podcasts and other like live shows and stuff and it seems to work for like live broadcasts but as far as recorded podcasts themselves i don't know if it's easier or harder but you're right zencaster is the old bag of bones that we're stuck with so let's uh that's right yeah baby yeah let's let's do it Welcome to the F1 Files. This is, hey. our, yeah, we're doing the damn thing. Uh, the first podcast of the new year. We are we are getting in. Oh, unlike a lot. unlike other people who've pre-recorded their podcasts and pre-recorded their episodes, we are recording once a week and sometimes once every eight days, as some people may have noticed from the release schedule. But hey, it's the holidays hang out with your family stop listening to F1 podcasts as soon as they drop. Uh I know I did. I know I stopped listening to F1 podcasts as soon as they dropped over the holidays. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh but this is our our F1 podcast. This is just a couple of best friends from all the way back in the 90s when we forged our friendship. Uh mm-hmm. childhood besties who have become very very adamant and ardent F1 fans over the course of our lives. My name is Corey Willis. I'm an improviser, writer, comedian, actor, multi-hyphenate, all that nonsense out here in
1: Los Angeles. What's up? This is John Lepore. I am a creative consultant designing the future for film technology and automotive. Hmm. And uh, we got, we've got we got a few interesting things to kind of yeah. touch base on today. I mean, just as like an, an overview, um, we've got uh, a minor update on the andretti situation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um there was some news that came out about uh ricardo and his uh his sweet little payout that he gets on his way yeah uh, out of out of mclaren uh, why he looks like he's
0: having so much fun because he is having so much fun and has so much disposable income now because of this payout Uh, yeah dude dude
1: straight up won the lottery like straight up there's uh, there's a little bit to touch on about uh, the the more distant future with Audi coming in and just some other inklings of their hopes and dreams as they set up to enter the sport. And then, I, to me, the, the headline to touch on this week, and this was something that dropped uh, the week before last, yeah. which was some updates to the sporting regulations that would seem to be... Be pretty infringing on the driver's freedoms and you know ability to to share their opinions yeah. with the Formula One fan base. So uh, a few things for us to to get into. Do you do you want to just start with some of the the low hanging fruit? Uh, I mean, the low-hanging fruit is—it's definitely the
0: the Daniel Ricciardo thing. Um, that—that's something that I wanted.
1: What 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 was the figure? I I forget it's, it off the top of my head. Is it was it eighteen? Uh, twenty-four million dollars that man got twenty twenty-four million. He got twenty-four million dollars to close out his contract, basically to depart McLaren earlier than they had anticipated. Yeah, And I mean, that's a, that is a, that is a payday, man. That is a, that is definitely a, you know, very worthy of all of the like, yep, you know, stinks to not be here racing, but I guess I'm just gonna rent a horse to show up to the Austin paddock, uh, riding on the back of, uh, and, and, you know. Yeah, Uh, that's just that's just wild. That is absolutely absolutely insane.
0: And the 24 million was suit. The the reason why and like this is part of the whole thing is like Daniel Ricardo was like, oh, I don't want to leave the sport of F1. I don't want to leave the sport of F1. And every analyst, every pundit was like, yeah, you can't step away from the sport like that because you lose your place and you lose some time and you lose some reaction time and you lose maybe some hunger for it. But part of the deal was he got that $24 million from McLaren to not race in 2023. So he, that's like, that's why he's a reserve driver at Red Bull. That's why he was flirting with the idea of becoming a reserve driver at, uh, at Mercedes. But he's literally within that contract. He is not allowed to race consistently as a full-time racer in this upcoming season. So they gave him. $24 24 million dollars because he had a, a rough couple of years and they were like hey we also don't want you competing against us next year uh because yep. he i mean for whatever reason uh but i think a lot of that is because he is such a good driver and he gives so much feedback and i think that maybe that was one of their things to kind of shore up their losses where they were like okay we can't have him racing full time against our team with all of the data and all of the feedback, uh, he knows what's going to make that car better this year. And I think that having him on a team that is a direct competitor to McLaren or someone who is further back on the grid – that was a real risk, which is why he didn't go to Williams and why he didn't go to Haas. Yeah, yeah. He would not go to Alpha AlphaTauri specifically or Alpine because they are direct competitors in that midfield pack with McLaren. So those options were just off the table, which I guess that makes a lot of sense. If like in retrospect, like looking back, it's like, oh, yeah, of course they wouldn't want him racing. And of course he made all those decisions based on the fact that he was. As long as he didn't sign as a full-time racing driver with some other outfit, he was going to get $24 million to just basically have, like, oh, yeah, I got, like, you know, a couple million dollars per month uh, in 2023 yeah, to, like, do whatever I want with because I won't be training and I won't be or training to be a full-time driver uh, and also showing up every weekend with a race seat available to me. So, yeah. I
1: I just love imagining that in the 2023 season, like Ricardo's going to be strolling around the paddock. Yeah. And, and, you know, going up to, you know, as the reserve driver, as the bench warmer. Yeah. And literally like walking around and being like, anybody need a ride out of here on my jet this yeah. weekend? Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. You know. <laughs> because I
0: bought stakes uh, in yeah. uh, a private aircraft. Yeah company because i don't know what to do with the money that and this is like this is not someone who's just getting 24 million dollars out of nowhere like this man has been a full-time f1 driver for a decade uh and and he's he's
1: all he's already pretty diversified Um, oh yeah i don't know if you follow uh race service which is effectively an ad agency that he founded based in uh based in in la uh, you'll you'll have to look these guys up. Okay. Um, they are yeah they're they're effectively a a ad agency like a boutique ad agency that he and a couple agency and motorsport enthusiasts founded together that are just doing really interesting and edgy content around uh, and you know getting hooked into gigs with Formula One but doing all sorts of other interesting stuff. So like that's one Jeez. minor thing, which is also like. That's also an entity that, like, will at some point in the next five years be a huge payout for him because some other at- massive ad agency is going to be like, Oh, you guys are the coolest kids yeah. on the block, you know? Like, they're like, Think of race service as a probably more directly monetized version of like Hoonigan or oh, something Jesus. like that, right? Okay, yeah. and yeah and and they're you know and that's that's the position that they're that they're holding and and owning very very well. Uh so you know he, yeah he's he's well he's well set up already. He would yeah. have been fine without any sort of you exactly. know kill fee on his contract but this is this is pretty pretty wild yeah. and yeah it's just that's just an interesting swagger to bring to uh, to, to the paddock for yeah. sure and he's gonna
0: be so cheeky in all of the marketing stuff that Red mm-hmm. Bull does and he can afford to be because quite literally he is a multimillionaire from just his buyout in addition to all yeah. of his other properties and stake and the fact that you know he's part of like the like he's part of multiple sports organizations like he's that man is set, and it's going to be really fun to watch him be himself. Uh, there was also another rumor about Red Bull about uh, Helmet Marco bringing up the 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 prospect of Sebastian Vettel coming on board as someone within like the management team. Uh, which is mm-hmm. that, if if that if that happens, I mean Red Bull, someone uh, I can't remember who who the. It was someone who's on TikTok, probably. But they were like, it's so hard to hate Red Bull when they've got Daniel Ricciardo and Sebastian Vettel yeah. back in the fold. Uh, and I, you know what? He's right, but I can still find it in my heart to hate Red Bull. I promise you, I will find it in my heart to hate. As long as Christian Horner is head of that organization, I will find it in my heart to drum up some hatred for them. Because uh, that man can't help but... <laughs> Just be a, a <laughs> head and he draws my ire and draws so many people's ire. Uh, so that's yeah, that was that was the, the thing that kind of popped up, like not just from the business perspective, but also in like the social media sphere was the idea of Daniel Ricciardo and Sebastian Vettel coming back to Red Bull and them being a dominant force with a great PR wing. Right. Those are like yep. some of the best people to have on board. So I
1: mean if if there's nothing else that Red Bull as a not a racing team, but as a brand in general is been the most optimized in its yeah. marketing,
0: yeah, yeah, they're so good. So
1: um all right, so I've got a I've got a very minor blip of an update on the Andretti mm-hmm. story. Yeah., uh, it's a minor thing, but it's it's to me, it's just we've got every time we shake the Ouija ball on uh or sorry the ouija ball no no i like the magic no no i like the ouija ball i like we've combined communing with the afterlife yeah (laughs) every time we light candles and uh speak with with the spirits uh that tell us about what what to expect with formula one we keep getting more and more signs that are looking like andretti is headed for f1 uh Mm -hmm. i think week before last we were talking about uh andretti breaking ground on this amazing new facility in uh out, outside of indianapolis yeah. and uh that facility being you know not the kind of fac- uh, basically a, a facility that would be like 10 times the size of a indie car or stock car operation yeah. of, of any kind that being a clear indicator also being an indicator that they're very well lubricated financially and right. has some, some really serious financial backing. So uh, Formula One has been, it has seemed as though Formula One, both the teams as a whole and the FIA have been very much tempering the expectations of yeah. Andretti joining the grid and there being this new team on the block, kind of elbowing uh, for some space around the cafeteria table. Uh, but uh, this past week, uh, Mohammed Ben Suliam, uh, our our FIA president, basically made a statement. Uh, just just mentioning without naming Andretti by any means has just said, "Hey, uh, the FIA team is launching a formal process for new teams that may be interested in joining." Uh, the the Formula One World Championship, and so yeah. basically, like we're, we're gonna we're we're actually looking into like, well, what would we do to onboard a new team into this process? And so that uh, that's that to me sounds like it's made specifically for Andretti. I think it's pretty easy yeah. to see that, that that's it. And I think you know, again, more than anything else, just the fact that they seem to have a very high pressure money cannon that is piped into their organization to me that's like that's green light where we're gonna see something happen at and andretti the andretti family themselves they're saying we're our sites are on 2024 yeah be, they're they're unrelenting interested. yeah which yeah. is i thought that that might
0: have changed their tune but it seems as though they're just fully on board with being like no no we're showing up at in 2024 with a new team on the grid, yeah. we will be the 11th team, and that is something that they also mentioned that their part of like a, a, a little more information about their facility was they are basically setting up that Indianapolis facility, that entire compound, for okay. development uh, and strategy. And they are going to they are going to have a, a facility in the UK as well so that yep. they can build yeah have a like a satellite,
1: system. yeah, yeah, yep. which
0: that's kind of the biggest thing where everyone's like, hey, if you're gonna start up an F1 team, yeah, you do have to be based out of the UK because that's where so much of the infrastructure the... for the sport is. so and
1: and both you know actual infrastructure and human infrastructure exactly. and whatnot. it's really it's really hard to be like, hey, you want to, uh, you know, uh, you, can we get about 150, you know, key personnel to pack up their families and move to the middle of the United States? And, yeah, uh,
0: to a decidedly, like, Americanized Indianapolis is indie, And I can, not that I have a bead on every single European person in the racing industry, but it's like, I can't imagine that they would be interested in moving from the UK to the heart of, you know, we, uh, (laughs) the heart of like, American flags on clothing. Uh, That's just not the, that doesn't strike me as the kind of thing that would, that would elicit some uh, stiff upper lip, uh, British engineers, or even like Italian or Swiss engineers who have moved to the UK, like they're not going to be like, oh yeah, let's just move to Indy let's move to the brickyard, <laughs> like that doesn't, that just doesn't sound like a thing. That doesn't sound like a thing that's going to happen. Yeah,
1: help. you know, you you know what would help with that? What's that, Johnny? A uh, a, a high pressure money cannon. Uh, exactly. Yes, a high pressure money cannon would
0: help with that. that... Uh, there's also the fact that. They are putting a protocol in place that speaks volumes to what's going on because it sounds like this yeah. high-pressure money cannon has, just like water, has found its way into every single yeah. crevice of the FIA. And this is maybe MBS being like, hey, we need to formalize this because th- like, we need to make this not seem like anybody can just show up and use whatever connections they have in order to influence the FIA. It's supposed to be a monolithic institution that cannot be influenced by anything, right? That's like kind of the FIA stands on like a moral high ground over organizations like FIFA, because they're yep. like, we are not corruptible. We are not a sprawling bureaucracy, uh, much to the detriment of at the FIA because they don't have a ton of staff, but they also have like a very strict, hold on what they are doing uh, within their walls and the the policies and protocols that they're trying to to follow. They don't want people showing up, especially American people, people from the U.S., venture capitalists, the kind of people who will do anything to get their money to make money for them. Uh, I feel like, especially with, with someone like uh, Salimun, who is a Saudi, right that's like they they are notorious for having money be uh be the thing that talks and i can imagine that they're like hey we do want money to talk but we need to make sure that it's going through the right channels because too many people have money and we can't have you all attacking us uh from every single yep. angle coming at us from like a dinner party to a marketing event to an actual like paddock interaction like we need we need this to just come from one place and go through one channel, so that people, so we don't seem as corruptible as maybe the FIA is. Uh, so, let's. I mean, we're talking about it, Johnny. Let's let's get into yeah. let's get into the the serious right. topic here. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah the 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 biggest thing, and this was something that surfaced the week before last, was that mm. there's been. Um, updates to the sporting regulations. They are constantly, you know, without changing the overarching formula, there are little tweaks and policies and things that right. that change, and they change, you know, uh, in, in advance of a season. Sometimes there's tweaks and adjustments made mid-season. Um, I think, you know, one of the semi-superfluous things that we saw happen in the last year was this, Attention brought to like drivers wearing jewelry mm-hmm. in the vehicle, yeah, and and whatnot. And some people have also suggested that that was almost like testing the waters for this uh this new change that we have here, which is that it has been uncovered that in the twenty twenty three sporting regulations, there is a clause that the drivers. Uh, may not and and sorry, I don't have the like official phrasing with yeah, me, yeah. but that the drivers are not going to be permitted to make any sort of like political statements of any kind without being fined or having some penalty thrown their or it way being
0: sanctioned by the FIA itself. Like you have to get yep. permission in order yes. To yeah, yeah, yeah. If you
1: if you want to make any sort of like protest or political statement, uh, it needs to be an official and like you know there's so yeah. All right. So this is this is like really bad news. This is like really dark kind of stuff. I'm gonna approach this yeah. from the like angels advocate perspective of just like all right so. These guys, I'm just from the outset. I'm very confident that this is going to get walked back. I think in the next two months because it's 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 super clown town uh, and it makes everybody look absolutely miserable. And I think there's, you know, there's a world where it's just like people who may be out of touch with reality, like the you know the president of the FIA. Uh, you know uh, huh. what you know is he in touch with what's going on in the world maybe not so much I took a scroll through his Wikipedia page uh, and yeah, was like stopped dead in my tracks by uh, his uh, uh, like bullet list item number two on his Wikipedia page is his car collection which is like uh. the you know and he's you know he's in the he's in the UAE and this is like a semi-common thing but his like car collection is like well no having a ferrari la ferrari would be very pedestrian so yeah, i have to yeah. park it next to an enzo and it's and uh an f50 and f40 and have you know the one of five uh you know endurance racing bill mercedes clk gtr and you know multiple bugattis and like just you know all that goes on and on so yeah. this guy i think he's a little bit out of touch and i think he's basically like everybody's, like, you know, annoying, uh, you know, grandpa or uncle figure or whatnot, who's just like, ah, geez, that's Sebastian Vettel acting like such a hippie, talking about climate change and, like, you know, who's this lady whose name Lewis Hamilton wants us to say? I don't know what's going on, but it just... That stuff all just seems distracting. And it also makes me feel like I'm complicit in, you know, aligning with them, and so... Let's just say, guys, guys, don't do that from now on. That's that's um,
0: what it feels like. That's definitely what it feels like.
1: Now, uh, you know, I mean, Corey, Corey, what are you? What are your thoughts here? What? How does this? How does this feel uh, to you when you hear this? Uh, this going on? It feels like we're headed back towards the Bernie era. That's exactly
0: what it feels like. It feels like we are yeah. taking steps back, not just like not just from like a driver expression standpoint, but also from like a a clamping down from the FIA on things that are so insignificant uh, to the business dealings of the FIA or the actual races themselves. Uh, And I think that it's definitely targeting people who are making political statements more than anything else. I think that because this is, uh and uh I I'm like very hesitant to speak ill of the Saudi government because I don't, you know, uh, I I like I like everything that's going on with me right now. Uh so I'm uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak ill of the Saudi government, but this is uh a a very it is reflective of the idea that if you let a little bit of dissent yeah. foment if you let people feel as though they can speak outside of their uh, their designation, then things could spiral out of control. And we could end up with people making political statements or making religious statements or making social statements that could actually damage these institutions. Uh, and I think that that is, it, it has a bad look. Like you said, John, It it has this really gross, like, authoritarian feel to it that doesn't doesn't seem necessary and also if you look back at the past couple of years we lost a grand prix in russia because of political pressure okay if this was put in place back then there would have been almost no political pressure placed on russia and placed on the backers of the Russian GP, and we probably would have had a Grand Prix taking place in a country that was committing military aggression on one of its neighbors, right? So, like, that's, yep. that is the danger of adhering to these kind of policies and not pushing back, is that it, it has real-world consequences, uh, and it has not just political consequences and not just financial consequences. There are people who are being killed uh and oppressed in the in ukraine right now and that is mostly a result of the same people who were funding the russian grand prix like that is there there can be a direct line drawn to and from the atrocities that are happening in ukraine and the people who are in putin's inner circle and i think that if if MBS had his way if the FIA had instituted these rules 2 years ago we would have Russian Grand Prix we would still have a Nikita Mazepin in the mix we would still have all this like grossness involved in F1 and i think that it's also just it, it is so as a country i know that we are flawed i know that the US is is absolutely flawed and we we claim to be these, you know, let freedom ring folks, but me. we do have systems of oppression against marginalized people that are state sponsored uh and institutionalized uh and furthered by the taxes that we pay on the money that we earn here in this country. So I I'm not going to say that we are the city on a hill or that we truly have any sort of moral high ground to speak from, but We do claim to be the freedom folks and the idea that the FIA can come in and immediately limit free speech when the market is exploding in the U.S. is like, hey, this is in direct conflict with our, you know, our our spoken uh, moral stances and our 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 policies that we try to adhere to here in the U.S. So I think it's a it's a huge mistake on the FIA's part. Uh, it's very it's short a thought.
1: giant, it's a giant blunder. And, you know, I hope it goes without saying, you mm-hmm. know, like just ethically and spiritually, it's just a stupid thing to do. Yeah. But the reason that I'm which, which would never give me confidence that it would be undone. Yeah. Uh, my confidence in that it would be undone uh, is because I, I think it's bad for their business. It's going to make them yeah. look like idiots. And it's yeah. going to, you know, I think you, you nailed it when you said, it seems like walking back towards the Bernie era, which was about stifling and limiting uh, the driver's personalities, right? And like Drive to Survive has shown us that having personalities and characters and different kind of viewpoints and whatnot in the sport is a very good thing. It's like the and most that, important you know, thing
0: to, to the common yeah. person to people not like us who are like, Oh no, we just love the engineering feats and like the way that they, people tighten up you un- like in like a team way. It's like, well, yeah, but also like people wouldn't be as in love with Danny Ricardo if like he wasn't allowed to be on social media.
1: It's just- yeah, and I mean I yeah. it it to me it's so it's so obvious that there will be, you know, somebody talking to uh, Ben Salim in, you know, in a boardroom, you know, or there's like a, a board of directors or something mm-hmm. who are just gonna be pointing at a bunch of charts and just being like, Since Bernie left and we, you know, focused more on the drivers, see the lines going up, and you know, we we want to continue that. And we those lines represent
0: money that represents revenue streams it's not just about like oh we like you know people are hitting the nielsen box and they like you know they like f1 on sunday mornings like that's not what this is this is the revenue streams will be affected if you start to rein in people's free speech uh the the sponsorship deals that they are so quick to to wear proudly and be a part of like those sponsors are going to be like uh, this doesn't really make us look that good. So maybe we won't put our logos as big on the you know, yeah. the race suits, or maybe we'll do like an alternate logo on the car because we don't want to be associated with tyranny. <laughs> I mean,
1: well, it's, and it's just going to be so easy for the drivers to make a stink yeah. out of this. That's going to immediately draw some really negative attention. So, I mean, you know, yeah. t- at the end of the day, to me, Ben Sillium, he's, one year into his job, uh, of running the, the FIA. Um, and you know, I think he's, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rule him out as being, you know, uh, good or bad for the sport one way or another. I think he's just got some learning to do. He kinda, you know, he, we, we already saw it. The, uh, the, the prize giving gala, um, him, make a giant fool out of himself uh, quite drunkenly on stage yeah. in front of everybody. Uh, and, you know, as, uh, as I was digging around on this, there, there was a, uh, an interview quote that bubbled up from earlier in the year when he was being asked about uh, the, the driver's um, different forms of protest and, oh. and whatnot. And so, so prepare for some maximum, okay, uh, you know, Trumpy, Trumpy uncle mm-hmm. uh, talk at the Thanksgiving table. But he basically said, uh, you know, Nikki Lauda and Alan Prost only cl- cared about driving. Now, Vettel drives a rainbow bicycle. Rainbow bicycle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lewis is passionate about human rights and Norris addresses mental health. Everyone has the right to think. To me, it is about deciding whether we should impose our beliefs in something over the sport all the time i do not impose my beliefs on others no way never uh so i you know and to me the fact that the, his statement begins with him being like "Look, oh, at yeah, we got sebastian battle on some sort of rainbow bicycle riding around and then and then he kind of like he catches himself mid-sentence and is like and you know the human rights stuff and, yeah Mental health, I guess those things are, you know, those things are all uh, good yeah. things. Rainbow <laughs> bicycle. Yeah, yeah. You, you can know, hear like and,
0: literally and, choking down the like. Ugh, I hate having to say. Or the,
1: or the or the publicist, you know, that was like behind the interviewer, like completely losing it yeah, and just, just being frantically like frantically no, waving. No, yeah, being yeah, like, stop, stop it! let no, it no, out!
0: No, no rainbow stuff! Don't, no, no
1: rainbow. we talked? Oh. Yeah, we talked about this. Don't say rainbow bicycle. Yeah. Yeah. Um so oh. uh you know, it's it's it you know, it is it is what it is. I'm I'm still I'm trying to stay optimistic that like we're you know, we're still somewhere ahead of uh say, you know, I mean and and uh Jean Todd's uh time with the FIA I think mm-hmm. was uh pretty pretty mellow. Uh but he he came in and replaced Max Mosley, uh, who yeah. was a whole other level i'm still just gonna keep teasing like maybe sometime during the off season we just do like an episode that's just a deep dive or the yeah. netflix true crime story of yeah. max mosley and and dive into that and break that down for anyone who's not already familiar emphasis um, yes. on
0: the word crime in there emphasis on the word yes crime yep with max yeah. mosley my god But it's
1: so much, it gets even so much better than just crime. It does. Um, does. So, so, uh, (laughs) Nazi orgy. I haven't, I haven't, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, 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 Um
0: This is like the, uh, like, welcome to Chippendales, that show on Hulu. I'm like, ah, I mean, there's some like really fascinating stuff. I haven't watched the show, but I've listened to a bunch of interviews about it and, like, listened to, like, Kumail talk about it. And just being like, oh, the founder of Chippendales was so much more interesting than like men getting undressed on stage and dancing for money like Like, the story behind the evolution of that enterprise is bananas and involves literal uh, crimes of passion and like murder (laughs) and i was like what oh i didn't know okay yeah so that's yeah, that's Max Mosley. Uh a lot of like money laundering and like John said,
1: a Nazi orgy. Uh so <laughs> that's uh ew. to tune in in the future for a deep dive yeah. into that into uh, that madness. God. Um so yeah, I mean, you know, uh, to me again, it's it's a uh, this is like uh this is a pretty dark sign but i'm i'm mm-hmm. confident that we're gonna see this just sort of swept away and that everyone around the sport is ultimately going to try and like minimize this i hope for being so. as bad as bad as and if it doesn't go that way if it goes like the opposite way well then uh prepare to hear us moaning about it yeah in the in the near future start popping that popcorn because there's it there
0: this is going to be a discussion point not just on this podcast but will be in like all the spheres of media if this does stick around uh the earring thing the nose ring thing the jewelry thing was like uh oh you're just kind of targeting lewis with this you're just kind of uh." and there was and i'll i'll throw my hands up and say i even come down a little bit on the side of the fia there because of safety issues because if you have to do an MRI yeah. on someone and they've got jewelry wedged in their body somewhere that could be a problem right I get that but this thing of like limiting free speech it's like oh yeah there's no there is no excuse there's no excuse there's yep. no reasoning behind it there's no making this seem like it's on the up and up or for the greater good uh, it's only to diminish the ability for the like, the drivers to actually express themselves and also diminish the cries for, like, human rights need to be addressed. So many of these Grand Prix are in countries that are very, very problematic when it comes to uh-huh. the issue of human rights. The U.S. has three Grand Prixs. We are one of the most problematic uh, countries on the planet when it comes yeah, to yeah. human rights. As a black person in this country, I can be like, "Yeah, there are problems that like maybe we should be focused on a little bit more than you know, um, uh, limiting if Sebastian Vettel can literally put like the rainbow flag across his helmet or ride uh, uh-huh. a, a bike." Uh, that has like any sort of like, hey, we should like focus on marginalized people at all. Like, th- there are problems in every place that F1 has races. Uh, yeah, you just can't limit you can't limit free speech. Um, not not in this day and age, not in the social media age, and certainly not in the age of uh, in the in the post-Bernie age, where drivers are finally feeling as though they can express themselves. Like, John, there's a whole generation that has passed since the Bernie era. So, like, there are people Uh who have never experienced what it feels like to have their voices clamped down on. And it's going to, the pushback is going to be hilarious. Just thinking of Lando Norris being like, I'm sorry, I'm not allowed to talk about mental health? I'm sorry? What? What? That's, no. No, no, no. I mean, some of this stuff is probably written into their, like, driver contracts that they have space to talk about well i mean
1: it, it, it literally would have been you know like yeah none of the drivers can be posting anything on social media about the racing about the driving you know content yeah. of the circuit that they're at or anything cuz that's all property of the yeah. FIA yeah. you know and so uh we're again i'm I'm confident that this is so much of a potential blunder yeah. That they're going to try and like sweep this right under the rug and undo it, uh, the the moment a little more attention gets drawn to it, if yeah. it's not already being, you know, uh, if they're not already applying wide out to the sporting regulations, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like oh
0: no, oh no, oh they spilled the bottle of whiteout, oh no, um, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, it's it's a mess, and I'm hoping to see, the drivers and F1 really push back against the FIA when it comes to this. Uh, and I can't imagine that that's not going to happen. I mean, um, not that I have a ton of faith in Domenicali for, like, standing up for uh, free speech, but I feel like he's a great person to be in charge of F1. Yeah. To be, like, a representative of that. Um, it's, um, we'll see. We will see. Uh, all right, Johnny. What else we got here? What else we got on the docket?
1: Uh, not much else. I I think the only other murmurs that uh were popping up on my radar was just more continued discussion around uh Audi's entrance yes. into Formula One and particularly some some casual but very intentional comments being made that, you know, the Audi team is, you know, looking at a pipeline or a pathway. To not just entering the sport with a, you know, an Audi car and an Audi engine, but that they would also love to have two German drivers on the, on the grid, uh, driving for them. And so that, you know, immediately triggered a bit of like speculation of like, oh, all right, what does that mean? Does that mean Nico Hulkenberg? Does that mean, uh, you know, uh, Nico Rosberg. Yeah, that's that what me? I was gonna say. Is, no, no, is no, no, Nico
0: no. Rosberg Germany's like second least favorite son? Uh is no, that no. is that yeah. is he going to make his way back into F1? Um oh.
1: a lot of uh but I think you know you you have to factor in this is this is several years out, and so mm. I think one of the best candidates would have to be our, our boy Mick Schumacher. Yeah. Um would be great to see Him and I, you know, in theory, that's his intent and driving with, uh, with Mercedes as their, as their third driver, it's not a, you know, it's not his exit of the sport, but it's just sort of like a temporary, you know, sabbatical that he's taking with the, the intent of trying to get right back onto the grid. And of course, you know, uh, lining up with the German team could work beautifully for him. Um, But also, at the same time, they are going to need German drivers with as much experience as possible to help guide them through that development process. And so there's even been murmurs of Sebastian Vettel, you know, factor into the equation over there. Like in the way that Michael Schumacher
0: came back to Mercedes when Mercedes showed up and were struggling. uh, And it was like, oh, yeah, Michael will come back and he'll help galvanize a german team and make them a championship winning team and look at where mercedes is now uh so there is a chance especially with someone who is a multiple world champion who is a german driver who reignited the passion of german motorsport and f1 fandom and someone who's also closely tied to the schumacher family that's something that that Sebastian is very proud of uh and delights in the fact that he's able to be around uh especially because Michael is not able to be around and walk Mick through this process and kind of be there as someone to talk to he is in essence you know he is fulfilling the role of uh a father to to Mick in the sport and
1: so, so Corey, are you are you suggesting that the dream scenario is 2026 20, Audi team with uh, Sebastian Vettel as the elder statesman, Mick Schumacher as the junior number two driver? Yes, and uh, That's, yeah,
0: I and would, then... I I am. Uh, you know me. I am a Mercedes guy through and through, but it would be very difficult to not immediately shift my allegiances and be like, oh my God, we've got Sebastian Vettel and Mick Schumacher on a German team. Like I am, yes, let's, let's, uh, let's cheer for them. Um, Not, um, probably not more than I would cheer if if Lewis is still uh, a part of the sport and Mercedes is still dominant. Like I would have a tough time splitting my allegiances, but I would split my allegiances uh, uh, for drivers and for teams uh, I would love to see them. I would love to see Audi show up and just mostly uh, this is some anti Red Bull stuff. I just want to see them trounce Red Bull. Uh, I really do. I, I want to see them just absolutely thumb in the eye of Red Bull as they try to like.
1: Re- What's the? I don't know the. I don't know the finer points of how do like the Germans and the Austrians uh, get along with each other like everything's pretty cool there right but there's got to be some sort of like neighborly tension there's got to be something
0: right like there just has to be and I think that like an uh, uh, what would be um, uh, like an inter uh, Rhineland uh, (laughs) rivalry would be would be great uh, to watch to watch two two Germanic teams uh, really go at each other um, in, in every way, right? Like, especially because Mercedes is based out of the UK, right? Like, that's, I would I just know. love to see Audi come in and be like, okay, no, no, we are the German team, we have German drivers, we have a German facility, we are... 100 percent through and through now it's starting to sound like a little purist and a little dangerous uh but like uh i love the idea of a german team coming through and being like no we're the real germans um uh, just just in terms of uh f1 racing that's all i'm talking the about pure, the
1: pure we're going to bring pure racing action yeah to the to the season yeah yeah all right. Well, I think that's as that's as uh, contentious a note <laughs> as any for us to wrap yeah, up yeah. our our episode on Corey. Uh, do you feel that the Formula One stock has gone up or down this week in the United States? I think it continues
0: to go up. It's not plateaued. Um, I think it's it's moved beyond the plateau. I think with Andretti coming in and now okay. being basically given a proper channel to apply or it's showing that andretti motorsport has put enough pressure on the fia uh to actually create a pathway for new teams to like apply i think that that speaks uh-huh. volumes to the popularity of f1 and also like the the tem- the temerity i think is the right words like the te- or the tenacity uh of of Andretti Motorsport, and I think that that is, like, a great rallying cry for the U.S. to be like, oh, yeah, these are our boys, and, like, mm-hmm. they're, they're putting so much pressure on this, like, international organization that's based out of France that we can, like, be proud of this. We can be proud of of the pressure yes. campaign. Uh, what about you, Johnny? What do you think? Stock went up?
1: Yeah, I'm 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 with you and I think, you know, it's a it's a general incline going up, but I do think it is a lot of it is from what, what you mentioned, which is uh, this this group I think it's the Guggenheim partners, mm-hmm. uh, which are which are pumping all this incredibly high pressure feed of finances into the Andretti organization. Yeah. Um I'm I'm really excited to see how that continues to to unfold and and what that means for the the sort of like you know general american disposition going into this sport
0: yeah agreed uh all right well where can the
1: folks find you johnny where can they find you out there in the world uh hit me up anytime on twitter my handles at johnny motion and you can also find me via my website johnnymotion.com to read up on all the the things that i'm doing as i'm designing the future for film technology and automotive. cory where can the folks find you uh you can find me burn cory burn on all the social media platforms
0: uh and also the f1 files on twitter and TikTok and also on Instagram. Uh, Reddit is a ghost town for the F1 files, but we still have an account there. Uh, Also, I just had this past week uh, a podcast episode that released where it's myself and another very, very talented improviser who are playing characters. It's called Nice to Meet You, and it is an educational podcast, so it's, like, very kid-friendly. Um, it's, it was super fun. I got to play a character. I'm playing a polar bear, uh, so I get to, to lob out some polar bear facts. Uh, and my, uh, my, my, the, my castmate, I guess, uh, is playing a motivational speaker. And the, the premise of the whole thing is we're taken into outer space by a mad scientist and tried to, we try to find common ground. Uh, So it's about 15 minutes of us being real goofy, dropping a whole bunch of facts about motivational speaking and polar bears uh, and playing with an inanimate object that we both find uh, in this, this, I can't even, I think it's like some sort of tank that we're in. Uh, But it's great. It's phenomenal. It's on the the Wondry uh, network. Uh, It's called Nice to Meet You. And it's great. Hosted by Jeremy Bent. Very funny improviser. Very funny actor. So you can can track me down on that. Uh, I also will have another episode coming out on that because I played uh, someone who is not a polar bear. I played a human being. Uh, Played Max Mosley? Play, yeah, I play Max Mosley. Um, uh, no, I'm, I'm playing, uh, I'm actually playing a snowboard uh, instructor. Uh, that's the other one. So, f- folks who know very me, very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Folks who know me know that, like, that's right up my alley. So, uh, I get to play a character who is very bro y and fresh from the hill uh so yeah check me out on that and then you can also just reach out to us on twitter uh via the f1 files and uh yeah i feel like that'll that'll just about do it
1: do you think that sounds amazing Mm -hmm. i'm uh i'm so excited to uh find your uh, your your polar bear oh, episode, yeah. oh, and yeah. uh, d- to dive into that
0: and please feel free to play it in front of your kids. Uh, this is like I said, this is an educational podcast, so there's like no swearing, and it definitely deals with like a lot of educational facts um, uh, not even factoids like real things. this was a researched thing, <laughs> and then we like drop those facts into the characters uh, so yeah, uh, catch Love up it. with. Us the next time, and we will also catch up with you on the F1 files.